Hi, welcome to New Zealand Vegan Podcast. I'm your host, Knuckles, and this is episode 12. I want to thank Jordan Wyatt for coming on the show and being a guest, and um, I hope that he comes on the show again and that I let him actually talk more. Um, As my guest, I feel like I spoke too much and didn't let him speak. So anyway, I hope that uh, we can have Jordan back on sometime. Um, This week, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things I said about tolerance last week on the show, uh, because I want to make it very clear what I mean. Uh, Whenever I say anything, I always review what I say because I don't want to be misconstrued. I definitely do not want people to misunderstand what I say when I'm talking about certain things, for example, tolerance. I hope that it is already very clear, but I just feel the need to elaborate. I was on the show last week, uh, if you didn't hear, when I was talking to Jordan, I was talking about how patience and tolerance helps me immensely to deal with the conflict of um, being a vegan in um, a world where we are in such a minority and especially in a society where a lot of people have not even even heard the word, let alone the concept of veganism. So as well as educating people about what it means to be a vegan and why I'm a vegan, I also realize that um, politically uh, we have no power Uh, yet. Uh, I hope to change that uh, by convincing more people to go vegan and to take animal rights seriously. But um, the reality of the situation is, without being uh, negative or in any way um, fatalistic, I am trying to be real about this and um, because I really want to make a difference, you have to be real, be realistic. And um, we are in the minority uh, to such an extent that any type of political uh, force or any type of force at all um, is futile at the moment because we're so outnumbered and there's no consciousness there's no general consensus that veganism is the right way to go when you talk about the population of the world or the general public. So it is unfortunate. Um, I did mention about other types of abuses that people fight against, child abuse, uh, racism, sexism. They used to defend racism in America, um, especially in the South. Um, They defended it on religious grounds. They said that um, black people were inferior to white people and therefore it was justified to have racism. And in the beginning, the abolitionists against slavery were outnumbered. They started a grassroots movement, raised consciousness, and soon they did have political power. And um, we're not going to have any power until we can change uh, the way that people think in general. So when I talk about tolerance and I say that I talk to somebody about why it's wrong to eat animals, and um, I give them my my reasoning, which is that it's wrong to cause unnecessary suffering. And um, if somebody sees the logic of that and, and yet still continues to eat meat um, despite uh, facing that uh, truth, and they continue to do it um, because they can. Um, you know, we cannot stop people from doing it, unfortunately, right now. We have no political power and the animals have no protection 
um, against being eaten. So that is what I say. So in other words, the patience and tolerance that I'm trying to nurture in myself when I'm an activist is because we are so outnumbered and I feel like it would be detrimental if somebody took that view with me that I would get violent with them or I would get angry with them and insult them or if I were to shun them and say, well, you know, um, you're worthless and things like that because I've said it before, you can't underestimate anybody and you always have to give people a chance. Um, of course, it is much easier to uh, talk to people who are already forward thinking with regard to animals and who already agree that that animals have rights and that we shouldn't be abusing those rights and making them our property uh, but people can change at any point in their life and I always want to ha leave the door open for anybody to come back and talk to me about it and allow me to talk to them about it so because we we cannot be forceful right now we cannot be violent right now well I don't think we ever should be violent um, I'm against violence but um, even people who are not against violence, um, even vegan activists who s suggest that violence will have to happen if we want to change the world the way that there was a war in the United States about slavery, I hope they're wrong. They may be right. But it hasn't come to that yet because we're incredibly outnumbered. We have no public representation hardly at all and um, we have no political power and 99% um, of the population um, doesn't even have any knowledge of veganism let alone agree about it so that's what I'm talking about about that and um, of course I am not tolerant of it and with regard to the fact that I accept it and that I say oh well you know I'll just accept that that's the way it's going to be no I'm dedicating um, every time I talk to people about it I'm, I'm trying to change that but um, I am also trying not to um, to prevent anyone from ever embracing the idea of going vegan and um, I do believe that people will be more likely to listen to you, to engage in dialogue with you, to spend time with you, if you are tolerant of of them. I always try to be clear and I don't want to be called a hypocrite. Um, try not to be hypocritical in what I say and what I do. Um, I'm very, I try to be very careful of that. And I also have to have a little laugh because last week I did mention that I do try to censor myself with regards to the content of my of my dialogue and try not to use animal metaphors just because I don't want to be getting into debates with people about it um, about you know using animal metaphors because it just is a waste of time and um, as much as I try to do that I still use them because they're such they're so embedded in our culture and I think I believe I said I'm too chicken and I was talking about um, debating um, other activists about or going to other activists meetings and trying to um, hand out vegan abolition literature like uh, the pamphlets from Gary Francione's website those are the kind of literature that I like to hand out and I said I'm too chicken so you know there you go I still do it but I am trying to catch myself um, just for the simple fact that I don't want to waste time uh, trying to explain <laughs> so it's just easy to avoid the whole uh, falling into that uh, sort of self-made trap another thing when I when I say when I say I take full responsibility for everything that's happening um, I do take responsibility for for everything and that's why I am outspoken about and that's why I try to talk to people every day um, for me 
you know, animal rights is the most important thing in my life. But I take full responsibility for everything that's happening as well. And I really do believe that until we get enough percentage of the population to make a difference, um, number one, make a difference in consumer demand. Um, in other words, they will refuse to purchase animal products, period, and they will only purchase vegan products and will therefore decrease the demand of animal products, all animal products, and will increase the demand of vegan products. I think that that's um, the first uh, step that will, will be done when we increase the population of vegans and people who care about animal rights. And then the second thing is um, once, we, once we can do that, we can start to um, have some... Um, some political uh, uh, clout and we can maybe um, actually be able to do some changes to things that really make a difference. Um, it's really hard to tell what's, what's going to happen in the future but I think that right now and I hope to see this change uh, in my life but it may not um, but I certainly will try to do what I can. I think that right now we just need to get more of a population of people who care about animal rights by going vegan. I think that um, there is just not enough people who are and um, that's why I try to talk to people about uh, veganism and then get them to talk to other people about veganism because we, um, we don't really have a lot of power. And it can be quite frustrating which is why I do appreciate having people to talk to who already agree that animals you know, you don't have to even, even though I, I, do, I do try very much to and um, talk to people who are, have never heard of these concepts and who've never even dreamed of thinking about animals as anything other than properties or their things or just don't even think about them at all. And that's the main part, part of my activism. But it is, it is a very much a, a useful to have a support of other people who are already vegan and, um, and even if they may not agree with specific ways, uh, everybody has different opinions on what is a effective or not, but um, we, we uh, are, it's good to have each other there um, so that you can have a conversation and um, somebody understands what you say and when you're frustrated uh, with the situation because it's, it is very, very distressing, the situation. Um, once you know the truth be, or once you've actually opened your mind to the truth about what we're doing to all these animals on a daily basis by the billions and when you realize that we actually at this moment we're not really we haven't uh, come very far in helping them they're still being slaughtered horribly by the billion and um, uh, you, you you can get um, a little um, uh, desperate in your thinking and that's why I think some people g uh, go out there and um, blow up um, things and um, I know where that frustration comes from um, I can understand where the anger and the frustration uh, comes from. Um, I just think that is not helping. Uh, that will not help us change because um, we are. It doesn't make sense to me that we're so outnumbered, but then it doesn't make sense to me that I ate meat for the majority of my life. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me that I was still buying leather products. Um, so I just have to be tolerant of, of myself as well. And I'm, um, I remember. Um, Jordan actually said one really good thing, you know, when he was eating meat 
and when I was eating meat, it was something unconscious. Um, it wasn't actually even a deliberate decision. It's just the way you were raised. You were raised that way. You were served that by your loving family. They put it on your plate and said, eat it. It's good for you. Um, they did teach you about morality, perhaps with regard to certain animals, like, you know, don't pull the cat's tail. That's wrong. The cat, the cat has feelings. But then they'll turn around and say, now eat your steak. It's good for you. So it's just um, we we just did it without it without a second thought, and I think that it's important for us all to remember that when we're talking to people and trying to convince them to change their life, to change their diet, to change their shopping habits, to change the way they entertain themselves, and to change the way they think about all other living things on the earth. We have to uh, we have to undo years and years of conditioning, years and years of education that uh, it's perfectly okay, that it's perfectly normal, and um, right now, um, if you're one in a million or one in a hundred, maybe, uh, whatever the percentage of us are, we are outnumbered uh, by the, by everybody else, so when you go and, and talk to a group and, and everybody in the group uh, eats, eats animals um, and you're the only one, um, then that that's what I mean when I say we really have no choice but to be tolerant and patient. Um, you know, we're not as lucky as the people who are fighting child abuse who don't have to be tolerant and patient because the law is actually on their side and um, also the majority opinion is on their side. So anybody who uh, discovers child abuse can call the authorities and can tell the neighbors and things will be done and the majority opinion will be on their side, will be on that person's side. We're not in that position yet. We're we're in the position where uh, the majority opinion is not on our side. Um, so I, when I say tolerance, I, I hope that, that it's the only way that I can stay sane and it's the only way that I can continue to talk to people um, and then continue to, after I've uh, talked to them, um, put up with the fact that they may not uh, change right away. But there are people who will change, and there are people who are interested in these changes. That's why I do uh, think that these gatherings are, can be very useful. I would like to uh, be able to go to them. And I'm talking about, for example, when you have a, a, a gathering of something and, and members of the general public go along, or members of people who go along who are already vegetarian and who, who do care about animal rights. Um, and um, I would like to just um, educate them about uh, veganism, um, especially people who are already on their way. Um, I think anybody who cares enough about uh, the hens to um, embrace the idea that uh, it's really horrific uh, that, that these hens are so abused uh, in the batteries, I think is, is able to embrace the idea that it's wrong to abuse hens. Um, period, and to use them as our renewable resources. Um, and I would always take the opportunity with those people to um, very much uh, let them know that it's um, that veganism is, is the way to go, and that's that's why I do what I do. Um, uh, so I really, really just wanted to reiterate what I mean. I don't want people to get the wrong idea and think that I. When I say be tolerant and patient, it means that um, you just accept it and you don't try to fight it. I, I really want to fight it. Um, it's my uh, goal to uh, end this animal exploitation once and for all. Um, but um, anyway, I think I've, I've made it clear. I really hope I do. Um, if anybody listens and they have... Uh, um, and they don't feel like it's it's clear or they, they, they got the wrong idea from, from my last episode. I hope that I have made it clear what I mean. Um, as an activist... Um, 
when who is an outnumbered and has the majority opinion uh, and the public opinion and things completely not in their favor we're not as powerful as we need to be before we can start um, really having a voice and um, so I just, um, you know, when I watch the videos of, of the ALF uh, going into the labs and rescuing the animals and um, destroying the labs, don't get me wrong, I am very grateful to them for saving those animals. I'm very, very grateful to them for sending that message. Um, but I also believe that it's um, unfortunate that those people could be put in jail um, for the rest of their lives um, without even causing any bodily harm uh, to a human being. Um, the ALF does not uh, blow up people. Um, they uh, rescue animals um, and they destroy property. Um, but they are uh, have, do not have any protection. And that is also another thing when um, somebody who uh, maybe intervenes and, and, and gets basically busted for stealing, quote-unquote, an animal from or saving an animal is what it really is, but they can get busted for stealing, having representation um, in the law as um, trying to educate people that actually what the person is doing is the right thing to be doing and the people who are abusing the animals and accusing this person of theft and destruction of property they are the ones who should be on the wrong side of the law yet are not but if I was to have a dialogue with somebody about this um, uh, you know because um, we are uh, in the minority I would uh, just really try to educate them about the fact that I don't think animals uh, should be used at all and, uh, and if I was to debate uh, somebody who had never heard that concept before and if that person um, didn't see my point of view right away or um, maybe uh, just change the subject and said oh well anyway whatever uh, do, or you know whatever let's talk about something else or they got bored with the conversation I would have no choice really um, unless I wanted to go up to them and, and I mean you can be diplomatic about it and try to bring the conversation back around and I do do that sometimes um, but I, I do just uh, try not to um, to get, uh, I've had experiences where with, with just other subjects in my life before I even became a vegan where I'd be having an argument with somebody um, maybe about war or something and it got to the point where I just became obnoxious and um, they just never wanted to talk to me about it again uh, they just did not even want to deal with me and that's what I'm trying to avoid I am very uh, emotionally um, uh, affected by uh, these, the, the, the abuse of animals um, but I do try to be patient because I I was once a animal abuser and I'm no longer and if I can do it anybody can do it and as long as you keep the dialogue uh, intellectual as long as you appeal to people's reason and logic and as long as you present a coherent argument and you appear to be rational and um, and approachable I think that you can have continued dialogue with people um, to the point where you do open their minds and um, I've had it happen and um, I get um, some feedback even on this uh, podcast that uh, people actually uh, are not turned off by listening to uh, to it, and I'm very very grateful for all the feedback. Uh, so um, that that's what I mean about about tolerance, and that's what I mean about um, vegan education. Um, and um, and I, we just need we just need a, a few a few more percent of the population before we can really start. Um, really start making a difference. I really strongly believe that. Um, I'm not quite sure. I don't know enough about statistics, but um, you know, uh, women's rights. I mean, we're 50% of the of the world's population, or maybe a little more. But we did not start standing up for ourselves um, until quite late in, in our uh, history. Um, 
we were property and we were abused and we were uh, often slaves of men um, and um, yet we had this uh, we even had this uh, we, we had 50% of the population it wasn't until enough of us actually banded together and the women's rights movement really got going that um, things started to um, change and um, right from the get-go I believe uh, the women's rights movement women's rights movements was about equal treatment and I believe that equal treatment of animals is allowing them um, to not be our property in any way um, no matter how uh, quote-unquote humane uh, we may think that it is um, and it's really not humane at all uh, if you have a sentient being as your property especially if you're is for, for purposes of profit or for raising it for food or for um, clothing. I mean, everything that we use animals for is to make profit, is to make money, and that's what Earthlings is about. Uh, it shows the economic uh, use of animals, which is all our use of animals. Um, there really is the only uh, use of animals that maybe uh, one part of it is not for profit, except for obviously pet, uh, you know the shows where they show off the dogs and cats and they show the um, breeds and you know you can win prizes and things like that or breeders who sell uh, uh, purebred animals and make money off breeding animals and selling them for megabucks um, I guess the only way, only one that you could say apart from that aspect that is not for profit is just people having companion uh, animals um, but uh, yeah I'm, I, I have spoken a little bit about companion animals um, and why I'm against it um, maybe I'll do another show on that. Uh, I keep saying I'm going to do all these shows and all these things and there's just so much to talk about. Um, so I feel like today I need to just end there and um, I need to um, just uh, do my Spanish broadcast because I haven't done one for a while and I want to catch up with that. So uh, thanks for listening as always and I always forget to do this but my email address is newzealandveganpodcast at me.com and my website is newzealandveganpodcast.blogspot.com and I'll be back next week. Bye!